Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. And in this episode, I interview Katie Geiger. She's a former high school and middle school choir director who left teaching after eight years in public education. She now works in a training position inside of her new company with a title of a skills consultant. We talk all about how she actually landed this role, what strategies she used, and a lot of just really great advice. So even if skills consultant doesn't sound surface level like a position you would be interested in, I highly recommend that you stick around for this interview. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'd love to start off just learning a little bit about your experience in education. How long were you a teacher for and what really got you into education to begin with? Sure. So I was in my last public school system um, for eight years. And prior to that, I spent two years teaching college um, while I was in grad school. And really my whole life, I had the dream of being um, like the high school choir teacher. And so for any music teacher listeners out there, I think uh, lots of us grew up sort of idolizing our high school music teachers and really, you know, having a lot of heavy participation in um, music extracurricularly. And so that was me as a kid. And I wanted to do that for my life. I just thought it seemed like the coolest thing. So yeah. What made you ultimately start looking for jobs outside of the classroom? Yeah. So when I finished grad school, um, and I'm going to rewind a little bit to the beginning of my public school teaching career because it is really all relevant. I moved to the state I'm now in, not knowing anybody, not having any family, and having gotten this amazing high school choir teaching job. It was sort of like the dream job that I expected to have to work up to for a really long time. And I threw myself into it. I was there at 6.50 every morning and I was blessed with a school and a wonderful administration that really 
supported me in wanting to build the choir program. So I threw everything I had into it. And I was often there until 9pm running rehearsals, trying to build a program, do the thing, you know, all the extracurriculars with the kids. And I really, really loved it at the time. And when COVID came around, and we went fully virtual, it was really the, f- the first time that I was forced to make myself a priority, because I didn't make the choice not to be at school as much as I had been. It was forced upon me. And I absolutely, all of these wonderful things started happening to me. And I, you know, that's always really hard to say out loud, like the pandemic was good for me. And I know it was just horrible for lots of people, but I was blessed to be in a situation where I was home with my roommate. And I really just started to learn what self-care looked and felt like. And because I made myself a priority, all sorts of other wonderful things in my life and my personal life started to happen that weren't happening when I was throwing myself into my job. And meanwhile, in the pandemic, you know, I was in a lot of leadership positions going into the pandemic. So when that happened, I was a part of the team that rewrote the curriculum to take, you know, in-person choir to virtual choir for, you know, our whole county. And then I was also part of the team that was building all of the resources that was going to help teachers develop their skills to be able to teach virtually. And I was thriving. I loved it. I loved the curriculum building aspect. I loved the challenge, the process improvement. I loved working on professional growth with teachers. And we had this huge problem, right, that nobody had ever solved before. And I loved being a part of solving it. So fast forward to the year where we go back to in-person teaching and everyone sort of went all done with all the stuff that you've been doing for the last year, we're going to go back to the regular way. And I was like, huh? Everybody around me seemed to be relieved about going back to regular teaching. And I felt so sucked dry. So during the pandemic, I had gone back to school and gotten my administrative certification, done all my coursework online. And then when we came back to school in the fall of 2021, I guess, I did my internship as an administrator, and then I was doing some long-term substitute position as an assistant principal at the high school I was in. And then that was kind of when I started listening to your podcast. And you did an episode a while ago about the five stages, I think it was five, five stages of grief about leaving teaching. That was one of the first episodes that I listened to. I am not a crier, particularly about my job. And I say that because you will hear me say that I cried a lot. (laughs) In this interview, I wept when I heard that podcast because every single part of it hit me so deeply. So at the time, I was looking into moving into an assistant principal role and really gunning it for that. But part of my heart and brain were going, do you want to really put more time and energy into being at school with kids and taking away time from your outside life? So I then left the high school that I was at to go be at a middle school because I wanted to try switching levels, switching environments, um, as you so aptly tell people to do. (laughs) And that was a huge learning experience for me. And I want to make it clear that I never had an administration that was not supportive. I never had colleagues that were not supported. And I know that there are a lot of teachers that do, but I would promote my school system to anybody in the world who wanted to be a teacher. But I just realized... I'm ready for a new challenge. I'm ready to prioritize myself and my family. And so when this opportunity arose to take the job that I'm now in, I had to jump at it. 
So what did the process look like when you were in the middle of the transition? Was this just like the first job that was just offered to you or did you apply to a ton of jobs in between then and now? Yeah. So I started very much by applying to jobs on the back burner early on just to see what would happen. And I got very, very few responses, if any at all, which is then when I subscribed to your course. And that was the best thing I could have done because those resources, I truly are what started to get me seen. You didn't tell me to say that. So (laughs) (laughs) I know I come by it honestly, (laughs) but I, I started to spend a lot of time rewriting my resume and it was the same stuff, right? It was all stuff that I really had done, but I needed to write it and frame it in a different way. So your resources were wildly helpful. My fiance happens to like consult about resumes. So he was helpful in that process as well. Um, You know, my suggestion to anybody would be like, get lots of pairs of eyes on your resume. And I started then, you know, applying to jobs. I was getting like some interviews, some feedback, not a lot. And then somebody that I know forwarded me a position that they thought sounded like something that I was interested in. And so I ended up applying, went through a number of series of interviews, and ultimately was offered the job. It was a really hard decision because I really did not want to leave mid-year. So I left a month before school was over, which was the last way I wanted to do it. I knew that an opportunity like this was not going to come again, or I was worried that it wouldn't. So I made the leap. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I know that we have talked about that you were in the course, obviously, you just said it. But I want to go back a second because it sounds like you got this role through networking and there are full videos inside of the course of like what networking is and what it really isn't. As far as like efficiency goes, I feel like people start to add a ton of strangers on LinkedIn. And a lot of times like their gut is like, oh, I'm just going to add transitioning teachers because it's easy. They're saying yes. But if you add 400 absolute strangers that are also job hunting, all 399 look the same. Like you're not going to be able to actually ask for a reference most likely in that bucket. What was your strategy with networking? Yeah. 
So I'll be honest that I was one of those people that at first just started adding people on LinkedIn because I was like, I think this is how I have to network. I never had like a singular moment where I felt like, okay, this is it. I am leaving the classroom. It was a really wishy-washy, hard, lots of tears decision. And I felt wildly guilty and really embarrassed about the idea of leaving teaching. So I kind of started trying to network in this like backdoor, totally ineffective way where I wasn't fully telling the circle of people around me that I already know that I was planning to leave teaching because I thought they would be disappointed in me or it would change their opinion of me. And I started networking with like random people that I didn't know and it wasn't helpful. When I finally started to say out loud to my friends, to my family, I don't want to be in education anymore, or I don't want to be in the classroom anymore, or I don't want to be, you know, whatever it was. And this is why, right? The reason around it. And not just, oh, these are the things that I don't like, but these are the things that I do like about the job because then people can connect and think, oh, I know a job that does those things that you do like. Let me help you out with this. That was when like, I started to talk to people who I was already friends with and they had ideas about things that I should say in the interview or ways that I could fix my resume. You know, people were checking out my LinkedIn and writing recommendations. You know, people can, I don't know what it's called on LinkedIn when they like, they leave like recommendations. Like they're reviewing you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I had people who were like doing that for me. And, you know, ultimately that's how I was referred for the job that I got was by truly just catching up with a friend, being honest about where I was with my position. And she said, you know, I actually, we have this job in my company. I had no idea you were looking, but it sounds like what you like. And that's how I got the job. That is exactly what we say is like, one, people aren't going to know unless you put it out there. And then also they're not going to want to make an inference that you would take a customer success job unless you tell them, hey, I'm interested in customer success or, hey, I'm interested in marketing. No one's going to make that assumption because it is something that's really personal and sometimes can offend people of, hey, would you take this job? And it's like, no, of course not. Why would you think that? So people aren't just going to jump to these conclusions. You have to be proactive with it. I know that it's hard to tell. Like there's no way you could really know this. But do you feel like networking alone, just getting your foot in the door with a friend would have gotten you the job? Or do you feel like redoing your resume and understanding how to articulate your strengths in your interview was what sealed the deal? Yeah, definitely the latter. I think that networking gets you in the door. What gets you to the finish line is the not only the resume writing, but the ability to honestly speak about your experiences in a way that makes sense for the interviewers in front of you. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's something that so many people, when they hear networking right off the bat, they're like, well, that person just got a job from a friend. You know, they were lucky, which absolutely networking is it's lucky to get your foot in the door. Usually, if you do get a job because you just because you have a friend and you don't have years of experience in that role, it's because no one else, zero other people have applied for that role. And that is very, very rare. So you will still have to beat out the competition, but they're taking a chance on you as a career transitioner because someone's saying, I can vouch for that person's ability to learn, their ability to do this job, and you know that they'll match the company culture. And then you have to seal the deal once you get in. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, so much of it had to, I mean, I went through a lot of interviews with a lot of different people to end up with this job. And if I could not confidently speak about the experiences that I had, but not with education jargon, <laughs> with the jargon that you have talked about on that this podcast and in the resources on your course, there's no way, no way they would have been able to see that I could fit into this role. Let's talk a little bit about the role itself. So what is your official title? Sure. Um, so it has come in and out of a few things because it's a brand new role, started as interpersonal skills consultant, and is now really taking on the title of just skills consultant. But essentially, I work um, on the leadership and career development team within HR at my company. And my job is to help people upskill. So we work with associates across the firm to help them improve their skills to be good at their job, right? So those can be more interpersonal skills, communicating effectively, leading people, leading change, anything like that. But it can also be very hard technical skills like data analysis, change management, project management, things like that. And so it's sort of two part. One, I work with leads across the firm to identify what their core technical skills are for different jobs and define those skills, identify resources that associates need to grow those skills, and then build the learning plans that go along with those technical skills. And then conversely, we have opportunity for building learning plans for associates regarding those softer skills, right, that we talked about. And then if there are situations where people need some one-on-one -on -one coaching, I can provide that as well. How did you feel when you first started this role? Were you, wow, I'm completely equipped to do all these things? Or did you feel intimidated by <laughs> any of it? Because it sounds like a perfect fit for a teacher. Yeah. But you said some big words that I understand. But even I would say, oh, crap, do I know how to help with training on project management? Do I have to learn everything about project management? Right. So I laughed because I felt like, such a crazy person. When I started this job, I felt like, oh my gosh, they're going to be so disappointed that they chose me. I have no idea what I'm doing. They're going to fire me after a week because I won't know how to do my job successfully. And that was anything but the case. I will say that part of my interview process, they did ask me to build a learning plan, not on the spot, but they gave me a couple days and told me what the requirements were. And then I had to build a learning plan. So they knew coming into the job that I, I knew what good sequencing looked like, which come on, all teachers do, right? So that worked in my favor. But then once I got into the job, you know, corporate company culture is so much more understanding in the onboarding process. Like in teaching, you student teach and that's sort of your experience is entirely dependent on where you student teach, right? And then you're just thrown into the classroom. All of a sudden, you have a classroom that is yours with kids that are yours, and you have to run it, and there's nobody helping you in the room, and you learn on the job. My experience in corporate America has not been that. The first week was very much, it felt like drinking from a fire hose in terms of information, but my team is amazing about saying, you know, they have a 30, 60, 90 day plan in terms of onboarding. There are clear expectations for where you should be versus where they understand you start. And I thought that I was going to have to go into this job sort of being like quiet about my education background, like public school teacher. No, but everybody's going to think I don't know what I'm doing. No, I mean, people love 
the fact that I have an education background and they know that I don't come from corporate America. And so, you know, my team has been amazing about helping me. They're patient. And the reality is like in, as a teacher or an administrator in public school, like when something has to get done, it's got to get done immediately. And you feel like, or I did anyway, I felt like I was sprinting all the time and I could never get ahead of anything. So I treated the first couple of weeks in my job like that, like, okay, here we go. I have to do everything. And, you know, my team and my managers were like, you work very, very fast. We're amazed by how quickly you're learning. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm slow, you know? So it's been, I certainly did not feel equipped to do this job successfully at the beginning, but I am now 60 days in and I'm getting nothing but positive feedback and I'm enjoying every day. That's amazing. And that's something that I hear so many teachers say is once they get this 30 day, 60 day, 90 plan, the first week or two is completely overwhelmed. There's acronyms that the company uses. There's all these different new things to learn. In addition to learning your job, you have to understand what all the other departments do or else you feel a little bit silly because you're like, I don't even know what that person. Yep. What, did, what does it mean that they do? Well, you put all this pressure on yourself. And then after a little bit, they're like, people start reaching out and telling us, okay, by day 30, I was exceeding the plan by so much that I felt guilty. Like I wasn't doing enough, even though this was the plan that they had given me. And that's also because teachers are used to having to do everything on their free time. And this is like expecting someone to potentially have additional questions or not know how to take control of their own learning experiences. And with you, you're able to like do close reads really quick on all the different materials and say, okay, these are the words that I need to understand. And just teachers are just more naturally equipped to train themselves in these new positions. And most companies do have a really structured onboarding process. I know that you are working and the HR space, but in also it's the finance industry. So did you feel like you had to learn a lot about um, like the financial sector before you even went into the job interview? Or was that something that you were able to just focus on like adult pedagogy? Yeah, I, I was really able to focus on adult learning in my interview. All of my interviews were like behavioral based. And they were looking for that star method of answering questions. And I knew that going into it. So I felt like if I had a handle on my experiences as a leader and a teacher, that that was really enough for me. Now, I will say, I did enough reading about the company that I'm at, that I had a basic understanding of, of course, their mission and values, as well as sort of what services they offer. So, and I would think that would be true of any job that you were interviewing for, those are things that you would want to know. But certainly like me and the stock market are not BFFs. So uh, like, that was not troublesome for me in the interview at all. Okay, you can go back and listen to my interview with the Personal Finance Club CEO about Investing 101 because <laughs> he's really good at teaching it for reals. 
Well, I will say now I've learned so much because there is so much time in my job to do my own learning and development. And so I'm sitting like on their investment 101 courses, like, hmm, what can I learn? And it's awesome. Like at our quarterly meetings, we have the like quarter breakdown of earnings and all that. And I'm like eating it up. I mean, it's great. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear different former teachers talk about the industries that they're in now and how much they enjoy learning about the different things. And the reason why I say this is before, before you signed up, do you feel like you would have had any interest in getting into the financial sector? I hear this all the time of people saying, that job sounds boring. Like, oh, skills consultant in the financial sector. I think I'm just going to stay in teaching because that's like judging a book by its cover sounds boring, like something I wouldn't enjoy. Not only did I think that it sounded incredibly boring and dry, but I felt guilty. Like only mean people work in financial (laughs) services (laughs) or people that don't want to help other people. Those are just the people who want to get ahead and they don't want to help people. And that has been anything but my experience. My whole job is about helping people learn and making the career pathway transparent for all associates, regardless of their background, regardless of their education experiences, offering opportunities to people so that they can move up in their profession. It's not boring and it's certainly not a selfish job. But, you know, I come from a family of public servants and I thought like, oh my gosh, I have to give back to the young children of America. And if I'm not doing it in public education, then I can't give back to people. It's not true. Um, I would highly encourage anybody who's thinking about you know, getting out of education or just moving jobs generally, like think about the things that you really love in your job, ignore the title, ignore the, you know, company, right? I mean, obviously make sure that there are values that you line up with, but go for the, it's the skills, right? Skills are the currency. And if you enjoy doing the skills that are listed, like give it a go. There are good people in large companies, like there are going to be people that you oh get gosh. along with and that you really enjoy. And I know it's hard to see it when you're an outsider, but I was surprised. Like when I went into, I was working for a Fortune 500 company and I was working with the salespeople who were doing multi million dollar deals that I was in charge of training or like doing presentations for multi million dollar deals. And they're the people who are in charge of the schmoozing a little bit. They were the nicest, most ethical people I have ever met. Genuinely kind, amazing people that I continue to think about just how much I appreciated learning from them and how they were doing something that was high stakes that they got really big commissions off of. But I never had a yucky feeling about them. But teacher Daphne would have been like, like salespeople, big salespeople in their rich, fancy cars. Yeah. And it's capitalism and it's not something that you feel good, you know, saying that you're a part of when you come from an intrinsically motivated career, but good people are good people wherever they are. Like they're going to have that heart wherever they go, as long as the company matches their ethics, their values, you're not going to go in and work for a company that is just doing something that you do not believe in. And if you do find yourself in that position, you'll quickly leave because you are a good person 
So I am so happy that you brought that up. I'd love to ask a really quick kind of random question about your role as a skills consultant. It sounds very similar to just like corporate trainer, learning and development manager. There's just so many job titles that this could also be. But are there any specific acronyms or key concepts that you would recommend teachers who are looking to transition into something similar look up or study up on? And you don't have to define them. You can just rapid fire them. That's a great question. Yeah, I think anything around like L&D, LCD, CD, right? Like leadership, career development, learning and development, that kind of stuff, like all of those little acronyms were so new to me. Also, if you're planning to work for a company, like understanding what a BU is, a business unit, that kind of stuff was really new to me. And those were the things that I found myself most having to go back in meetings and say, I'm so sorry, you said this. Could you define that? Those were the big ones. Yeah, like ROI, return on investment is something that I hear is And that's something that can come up in instructional design or when it comes to training. People want to make sure that you're doing a training that they can prove is going to be effective and not like a waste of someone's time. So what's the return on time investment here? Like, is it making someone more profitable? Is it making something more efficient? But even that term is like, what's an ROI to some people? So I'm glad that you said that because um, like KPI is another one. I will say... A lot of those things I learned before I went into the job because when I started to get really miserable in my teaching job, I came home almost every single day and got on my computer and took courses. So that upskilling piece that you've talked about before is so, so, so key because then I did go into the job, you know, knowing some of those terms. Did I have to? Absolutely not. Did it make me feel more comfortable that I did? Yes. So that, you know, that learning and that upskilling before you are fully in transition mode, um, I would highly recommend to anybody. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, right? Like there's so many free trials for things. There's so many free resources online to just start like corporate America learning. I did my project management certification through Google Coursera for very, very little money. So that kind of stuff was really helpful to me, A, to have it on my resume and B, to have the lingo around it going into the job. It also alleviates hiring managers' concerns because it shows you are passionate about this as like a long-term choice because regardless of how enthusiastic you seem in an interview, they are behind the scenes nervous that you're going to get into the role in three months and say, you know what, teaching's for me, bye. Even if they loved you, you have to kind of prove to them like, no, I've studied this. I am sure that I want to take this path because taking a risk on someone who's in a transition is, you know, it's a costly risk on their behalf. So showing, hey, I've studied this. I understand what the role is and I'm capable to do it really alleviates some of those concerns. Right. And you hit the nail on the head in so many of your other podcasts when you said, be prepared to answer why you are leaving teaching. It did not matter if I had interviewed with the same person again and again. They asked me that every single time and it had to be a positive answer. And I used that answer to demonstrate that I was already doing the job that they wanted me to do just in a different setting. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think I cannot go into a tangent right now, but please go back and listen to why a career hunt is like dating or some of our best practices on LinkedIn 
because so many teachers are getting baited into these venting why I'm leaving teaching threads on LinkedIn, which is showing up on your LinkedIn profile when you are getting ready to apply to jobs and it's showing you in a negative light, even though hiring managers, they're not silly people. They know why you're leaving. They just need to hear it in a positive professional way. Once you're in the role and comfortable, you can be a human and be like, by the way, that was a dumpster fire. That's why I left. But saying it on LinkedIn is not proving that you're going to have company culture that they'd like to bring into their company. So please go back, listen to those episodes. Katie, this has been such a great interview. I've been so happy to just learn about your role and learn more about you. You are very impressive. Thank you. I have two questions, but my first question is, this is a very challenging process. What did you learn about yourself throughout the transition? I learned that my job does not define me. My view of myself and who I was as a person was so wrapped up in being a teacher for so long that I couldn't imagine letting go of that. And I thought that when I let go of that, all of the people around me would let go of me because I was losing my identity when in fact, all the people around me just wanted me to be happy. And no one else was creating this like bar of perfect teacher for me, except for me. And I've now stepped away from, you know, being a classroom educator and the best version of myself that I've been in a long time. I'm a better musician than I've been in a long time. And I'm enjoying so many things in my life that I I really never, well, I haven't since I was like a kid. And that leads me to my next follow-up question. And I'm putting you on the spot here so we can edit this out if you do not want me to bring it up. But you are now singing professionally, which you probably have a lot more time for. Is there somewhere that the audience can find some of you singing online? (laughs) Well, I don't have any solo gigs to share at the moment. But I will share with you, I am a part of a new professional choir that just launched. Um, It is out of the Delaware Academy of Vocal Arts, and the group is called Elevate. And so you can follow Elevate Vocal Arts on Instagram. Um, We are releasing an album in the middle of July, and uh, there's lots of wonderful videos on there. Thank you so much, Katie. This has been great. So everyone, if you are interested in seeing what she's able to do with her newfound extra time and passion and dedication towards music, go check her out. Thank you so much, Katie. This has been such a pleasure. Daphne, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everything that you are doing for um, all of the people who need you and these resources. Thank you. I want to give a huge thank you to Katie for coming on and sharing her advice and her story with this audience. Now, Katie was a member of the Teacher Career Coach course. And if you have not yet checked out our resources, you need to hop over to teachercareercoach.com forward slash course just to learn all about the program that has helped tens of thousands of teachers through their transition outside of the classroom. That's teachercareercoach.com forward slash course. Thank you so much for being a listener of this audience. And we will see you on the very next podcast episode.